It is an amalgamation of the meat of several pigs, emulsified, liquefied. Oh, my monitor blanked out. Darn it. Welcome back to another episode of the Refactored Podcast, where it's our goal here to suck just a little bit less every day. My name is Chris Tonkinson. And my name is Frank Cole. And this is episode number 75, recorded July 19th, 2022. So I sent you a link yesterday or the day before on Slack. Did you did you see that link? I, I saw it. I remember that I saw it and I had a reaction to the headline, but I didn't click into it. Okay. So, um, if so you, I'm coming if, in cold. All right. So you can click into it. Now, it, it's, a, it's a dude posting on LinkedIn. I am not inclined to give this dude any, any free, free airtime. So I don't think I want to mm-hmm. give the name or the link. I, I just want to focus in on the, uh, on the, on the, the details, the deets. Okay. So, so sharpen your knives because you just want to take this ass hat to task. Yeah. That's kind of what I want to do. And, and without, <laughs> without calling this guy on the, on the, with all, with all due respect to the, uh, the to fine gentleman ass, from the internet to, 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 yeah, to the said, said gentleman ass hat, um, posted a random thing in, in LinkedIn as people like to do. Right. And uh, I just, uh, I don't know. So uh, here's what he said. It's a quickie, so I'll just read it off. If you're an employee, asking for a day off isn't the best idea because that day will show the company they can manage just fine without you. And guess what? When it comes to redundancies, you'll be the first one out the door. So keep your head down and work 52 weeks a year. As I say to my staff, now this guy's in charge. He, he runs his own business, it looks like. As I say to my staff, enjoy your weekends, bank holidays, and Christmas Day. Sure, but unless you're actually dying, let's get to work. Who knows? That's- Hold on, he's not done. Who knows? This time next year, some of my people could become, uh, looks like, assistant managers and be pulling in a very nice 30K salary. <laughs> no one became successful by taking days off. Do you agree? So so this is obviously satire. Yeah, I, I think this is satire. I think this it is has, satire. Isn't there some internet law that, you know, everything's got a law. I can't keep track mm-hmm. of them. There's some internet law that's like, uh, or maybe it's just maybe it's not internet specific, but I think I think text is what is what makes this real. Like the like the the more the more extreme your position, the more people will think it's satire, or the or the more satirical your position, the more people are going to think you're serious on the other side or something. There's the some, more, I, I guess the the drier, more accurate, uh, you know, level, you know, level delivery and support of your position, the more it looks, the more it looks legitimate, the more people will take it to be legitimate. I, I, I don't know. I don't know the phrase no, that I think you're thinking this one, of, but I get, I'll find it and I'll, I'll, we'll link it. But like the, it's something specifically to do with how, how strong the satire is and the extremity of the opposite position that people may think you have or the reverse is tra- No, You know what? Clearly, I don't know what I'm talking about. So to <laughs> I mean, me, this reeks of satire. I mean, yeah, this, this definitely reeks of satire uh, because uh, I had read this and I didn't see 30K. I thought it said 300K the first time I read this. And I was reading this whole thing uh, right up until the 30k salary, it all sounded legit to me. And so, which would, you know, which would support your, your poorly worded 
but no less inaccurate <laughs> phrase that you that you made there. So um, it actually yeah, it, you, just you, because you couldn't get it out of your mouth correctly doesn't mean you're not still wrong. Look, just just because your word <laughs> hole doesn't work doesn't mean there's not a, a half baked idea bouncing around <laughs> in that noggin of yours. Right. Exactly. Uh, you, it reminds me a little bit of like C.S. Lewis was really, really good at this. Uh, if you've never read the screw tape letters, that's a really good. Read. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's hard to read, though, because he delivers so dry and directly in the opposite direction of his intention. And yeah. so you actually, when I was reading that, I had to pause and take the whole phrase or sentence I say, and, Wait a minute. and, and yeah. invert it to see what he was actually trying to say. I mean, yeah. really, really, you know, really well, mentally brain bending stuff. So anyway, this is okay. So this is not the thing that I, that I thought we were going to do today. So that's, that's kind of disappointing. I'm also really glad I didn't say the person's name because <laughs> I called him an ass at and he's clearly not being an ass at. So I hate, see, do you want to just, you want to just complain about LinkedIn for a minute there? Cause sure, I'm like, I'm, I'm always LinkedIn. like, I'm always recruiting. I'm in there. I, mm -hmm. I don't love it, but I spend, we time push there. the show in there. We, yeah, we do. I, you, uh, uh, what, what is really, and I just, you know, uh, I'm at a phase now where if I don't like what you're saying, I'll just block you. I, I don't, I don't mm. sweat it. I mm -hmm. hope they don't sweat it. You know that we all get along. What really it's, it's taken, you know, what really grinds my gears. There's one specific form and everybody's got their trick for content, uh, marketing, right? Content, how do you drive engagement? Had some people want to be controversial. Some people want to be, you know, group hug or whatever. That's, that's, there's this new, um, it's not new, but it really bothers me. It really grinds my gears when you see the post that's like one line, two, two new lines, another line of text, and then more. And then if you mm -hmm. ever click on the more, it's like 20 sentences, but each one is separated by like three blank lines mm -hmm. so that when you see more, it just takes up the whole screen. Mm-hmm. Have you, I don't know if you've noticed this or if it bothers it just it bothers me to my core like I understand the idea behind putting a line of text and then adding enough new lines so that you see the see more right you've actually got to engage you're curious it's a hook it's a lead they call it but then why do you do the same thing with the rest of it this doesn't make sense to me why do the, oh I, I think well, part of its writing style uh, it, which has become pretty popular in, in recent years, you know, trying to do these, these one line punches, uh, typically, uh, typically from, you know, some, you know, with some angry political bent to them, you know, this, 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 but it's not even that it's this, like, this, this, bam, bam, bam. no, but it's, I, I don't know if it, I, I guess the idea is to, is to make your brain hear the white space, like taking a breath to let the point sit. But when every single sentence is three lines away from the next, just I, I, I it, maybe it's got to be an attention span thing because people don't I think pay attention. It. If it's if it's a if it's a paragraph, nobody's going to read it. But if it's simple one-liners, then you know us stupid rubes might actually be able to comprehend the prose. And I think it's just it's just weak writing. I like there's no in my mind there's no excuse. It's just bad writing. If you can't keep people engaged, 
is formatting really the way to try to do it? Well, it's interesting. Maybe, that, I'm, maybe I'm cranky old man, though. You might be. I uh, remember when we were in school, the way that they have uh, approached writing classes, I, from what I have seen, but I haven't been in one in a, quite a while now, but um, you know, the way they approach writing classes has changed significantly because when we were when we were in school, you would write a paragraph, and a paragraph had to be so many sentences. It was like three or four sentences at a minimum. If your paragraph wasn't three or four sentences, you didn't start a new paragraph until you had that much meat. Like that's sort of how they they formulated the rules. With the advent of the internet and email and much more simple clipped, smaller, you, you are delivering your message in smaller and smaller bits. Those paragraph rules have gotten, have sort of gone away. You you are it is now acceptable to break things apart into um other uh, into smaller into smaller pieces even if it is one one single um you know message I, I mean I'm guilty of it in emails too I mean sometimes if if I'm changing if I'm changing um topics in any significant direction I'll start a you know I'll start a fresh paragraph so I'm not so no and I you know there's like there is uh there are lulls to be had in a text message or in a DM or in an email using white space mm-hmm. to make people think or to add, you know, th- th- you, like you can do that. That's fine. Th- these are people that want attention, right? They're influencers. So they're trying to build their audience. So they want engagement or whatever their angle is, whatever they're shilling. Mm-hmm. And it's one sentence, new line, new line, new line, one sentence, new line, new line, new line, one sentence, new line, new line, new mm-hmm. line, one mm-hmm. And it's got to be, it's got to be an attention span thing. There's got to be somebody that figured out that people might actually read more of it if it's laid out like that. Who are those people? I Hmm. I want names. Uh, I want names because they cause the internet to be a substantially worse place for the rest of us. I mean, depending on how, depending on the def, your definition here, I might be one of those people. I like it when, I, I like it when concepts are broken up. I guess it kind of comes from my, maybe it comes from my programming roots. You know, I no, like, but it'll be like this. It'll be like this. My cat died last week. Three new lines. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Three new lines. I had just bought new food. Three new lines. Like it's that kind of. I feel like that's yes. Okay. So it, I mean, you're describing this in the extreme, but in that situation, I would say you're right. It's a person. No, it's not who, the extreme. That is exactly what, that is exactly no. like the, and, and maybe it's like. You are talking about the I'm most flagrant. I, okay. You, you are describing the most flagrant use of, of this. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. But it's pervasive. Like, I mean, you just, you look at LinkedIn, you, you scroll the homepage, maybe one or two scrolls. And I guarantee you find one of these things. They're everywhere. And it's. I, I don't, I just don't, I guess I don't understand it. I don't know. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. I think it, at the extreme level that you're talking about here, like it, the the most severe case of what you're talking about here would absolutely, yes. I mean, people could absolutely use this as a crutch because their writing is actually weak. And if you put the whole thing together in a single paragraph, it actually is you know, quite- Nobody a, cares because you're not actually saying anything yeah, of value. It's actually, it's, yeah, <laughs> there's, there's no value to it. You're not making a compelling case. It's vapid and you're using- and they're uh, burying the lead often. Sometimes burying the lead, but also writing it, you know, for impact of of some kind. I, I I think it can be that, but I also think that our communication styles have. I mean, the internet has changed fundamental communication. How I write a blog post, and and this is true. I think in lots of you you read articles still. You read 
blog posts, you read books. They're still written the same way in the same generalized formats that books have always been written, you know, chapters, paragraphs, complete sentences. Um, That hasn't changed, but our direct one-on-one communication and some of our, we now have these shorter forms of communication like LinkedIn posts here, for example, um, that you don't need to compress sentences into a single paragraph because you don't you know, need that much space or you have no, because you know, more vertical be- space. I'm going to, no, I'm going to go ahead and be a little more extreme with this because there's not some anal retentive teacher with a stick up their rear who's forcing you to make a paragraph three to five sentences, right? I understand like there's a traditional way that certain types of prose are expected to be composed that like we can all get that. But even when I was, I mean, I'm, I'm like remembering myself nine years old in whatever eighth grade. And I'm thinking this paragraph is three cents, like two sentences. Mm-hmm. A, a sentence should be a complete thought. A mm-hmm. one, there, there are such things as a one word sentence and there are things as, as run on sentences and you should probably not do either very often. Vary it, vary your cadence, right? Every, I think everybody knows that we speak and write. There's a certain cadence that we all naturally kind of have. Yeah, there's and a shorter and longer, higher, lower, funnier, drier, whatever. Um, punctuation's the same thing. If every sentence ends in an exclamation point, then you're probably doing it wrong. Um, but like a paragraph should be a cohesive group of thoughts. And if that's one sentence, that's fine. If it's 12 sentences, I don't think that's problematic, right? But these like rules, oh, no, a letter is two to four paragraphs and a paragraph is three to five sentences and a mm-hmm. sentence is, f- f- it's like, I, I, even when I was even when I was a kid, I didn't know my rear from a hole in the ground. I was a kid. I This smelled, I could just smell the BS on so these wait kinds a second. of Hold on a second. So you're, you're railing against the rules of, you know, paragraph construction in one breath, but at the other hand, yeah. you're saying, but adding- but adding spaces between individual sentences in LinkedIn posts that that just so here's stand so either. here's an example so here's an example uh, I was DMing with one of my one of my people today and uh, the first the first message now I I get annoyed when people drop individual DMs mm-hmm. to form a complete thought. Like mm. you could have just written all of that out in one message and hit enter. Mm-hmm. Instead, you wrote part of a sentence and hit enter and then wrote more of other sentences and then hit enter, right? That that gen- genuinely tends to igno- annoy me. But this, there's times you do that kind of, you split things up for, for impact, for effect. Uh, so I, you know, I quoted somebody else and then I, I derided them in one message. And then I sent another message with some supplementary uh, chiding. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And th- like there are reasons you split things up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the rules to some degree, the rules are fabrications and they're BS and they're arbitrary. There is a trend of this. And I'm not talking about like not following the rules here. I'm talking about just being annoyed at this exact particular specific trend. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're... Uh, I mean, but really what you're, I, I feel like what you're railing against is just bad writing. I mean, the format, you, if you're a good no, writer. No, there's all kinds of other, there's all kinds of other bad writing. No, there's <laughs> available of, on the internet no, for no, us to choose from. There's lots of bad this writing. This one specifically but, bothers yeah, this, me. I was going to say, you're talking about, okay, fine. A specific flavor of bad writing where you've got a yeah. weak or non-existent argument. I, no, you're to right. Try and 
puff it up, you you use spacing and you know this kind of impact driven jackhammerish type of uh, driving yeah, yeah, you're right. language I, prose. You know what? That's that's fair. I I do see it as bad writing, and it's a it's a particular style that I don't know. Maybe I've got an onion on my belt. Uh, maybe, uh, but you're not. Yeah, yeah. But I I think that you're making a general case against bad writing, and you know just because you have you know just because you can put anything out there in the world doesn't mean that you should. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't <laughs> stop and stop and think about what you're going to say. I have this. I mean, this is. You know, uh, hold on a second. Where's my? Let me grab my drink. I have this is a broader concern for me with my with my kids and myself too, but definitely more for my kids. The fact that once you put something out there, it is out there forever, and mm. I um, am very hesitant to let my kids do anything on Facebook. I mean, they're they're still really young. So we haven't gotten there yet, but I, I'm I'm of the opinion right now, I don't want them on social media like at all. I mean, I'm gonna be a, I'm I'm gonna be a a luddite, I think, to a certain extent with my kids where it comes to social media because yeah, I, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but I I'm in the same boat. Like I know how the stuff works, uh -huh. and uh, we all knew. Okay, all right, uh, caveats and asterisks. Fine, we all knew many 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 years ago that there was an overall deleterious effect on people consumed by these platforms, mm -hmm. right? Now we are starting to see in the academic literature documented, mm -hmm. like proven, here are case studies, here are, uh, here are like population studies. These are now documented factual impacts of these kinds of media especially on young minds, but just on minds because they're humans mm -hmm. and the stuff is bad for humans. I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm it's, with you. It's, uh, my oldest is only seven, so we're not in that realm yet anyway. Yeah. Uh, my oldest is my nine. My wife and I talk about like, okay, like they don't have tablets. They don't have anything. Uh, there's a switch and a PlayStation in the family room. We play with them when they play. Mm. That's it. Like that is the extent of I have anything, a, anything connected. And those are not connected. They're not yeah. playing online games. They're playing, They're playing games Super right. Mario Kart 8, you know? My, my daughter's a Minecraft fan. She plays it on Switch and uh, she mm -hmm. plays it offline. She doesn't do any of the online connected yeah. stuff. Um, she has a tablet from school. And so that has... That's pretty heavily locked down, so I don't have to worry too much about what she where she's going. She can't add apps and things like that. Our district gives those out too, and, yeah, and so, they're locked down. And they even say, "Hey, you're not supposed to use these at home." So when they bring them home, they stay in the backpacks. They don't uh, even come out. Yeah, we don't have. Uh, she got it during COVID, and the rules about you know shouldn't use it at home that that was never a thing because COVID was actually the thing well, that prompted when, it. So when they were schooling from home, that was the. That was their device. That was their medium for it. But mm -hmm. yeah, absent that, you know, when they just bring it home because we're expecting snow tomorrow or something, if that doesn't materialize, they don't, they're not supposed, I know a lot of the kids do, ours don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, I let her, I let her play with that, but we monitor how much time she has with it. Um, this yeah. is our oldest one, mind you, you know, and she's yeah. nine. I mean, the most questionable thing she does is watch a lot of YouTube videos uh, which I mean, you do have to be careful of, but, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. she's not, um, she's not talking with random strangers on the, on the internet and she's not 
posting herself out there and, you know, doing her own, yeah. you know, TikToks and things like that. And that's, that's what it's really about. It's, it's, it's about communicating with complete strangers and putting your own material and your has own she asked, stuff out there. Has she asked you yet whether jet fuel will melt steel? <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't delved that deep yet. No, she has not. Uh, <laughs> She she has she has not done that yet. No, no. That as soon that. as she comes at you with like, Daddy, how do you prove the earth is round? It's like, okay, honey, oh, give boy. me the tablet. Yeah, that's right, you're done. <laughs> give you're, me the tablet. Let flying. me look at the YouTube and Wikipedia history here. You've clearly <laughs> gone down a dark, dark rabbit you, hole. Uh, dark hole, that's right. <laughs> no, she, she calls done. you an Illuminati conspirator and runs from the room. <laughs> Her, her, we have enough filters that none of that, none of that gets there. So you know, we don't need to worry about that. But, um, I, oh, um, man. you know, just because the stuff I mean, posting anything out there, it's permanent. And I mean, how many, I mean, I've lost count of the number of stories of people who have had their lives upended because of something they posted 10, 15 plus years ago. You know, yeah. like, oh, you said this thing back in this day. Well, obviously you're a horrible person and we need to destroy well, and your we're not life. Even, it's ridiculous. We're not even talking about, we're not even talking about the felon who live streams while committing their crime or oh. goes home and takes oh, a yeah. picture of the thing that they stole or anything like right. that. We're not talking about They're that. Going there. We're talking about somebody makes some comment that at the time seems innocuous that comes back a or decade plus even later is to innocuous. bite. Like it even is or, yeah. innocuous. Yeah. You know, it's just. Mm. Yeah, that kind of stuff and the way that that can come back to haunt you. It the just, internet remembers. Yeah. The internet so, remembers. Yeah. To say nothing and, of cyberbullying and, and those kinds of the, the impact on your psyche, you know, your sense of self-worth so, being attached to these things, like all of it. There's like, no, I don't see the good. I don't see any of the good. Pretty soon, like that's going to be a problem that everyone faces all at the same time. Um, I don't know if you saw this. It was either earlier this month or late last month. Um NIST actually released their um their what do they I don't they call them release candidates, but their um their draft proposals for uh quantum resistant encryption algorithm. There's one one no, for I encryption and this. three for signatures. Yeah. Oh. Um and they're actually in the NIST draft now, whatever special publication it was. I can I can find it and link it in the show the, notes. The nuclear um, the, the nuclear arms race continues. Yeah. So, I mean, there's going to be a push. You're going to see a big push if you're if you're under uh, FINRA or FedRAMP or PCI or HIPAA or any of these kind of things. like you're, you know, not tomorrow. NIST things that happen because of NIST do have a way of taking lots of time to roll out. A bit, a bit of time, um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, these are these are uh, quantum resistant algorithms for encryption and signatures that are going to start rolling out at, but because the prediction is kind of within the next decade or two, maybe sooner than that, but you know, within our lifetimes for sure, you're going to have um, uh, practical quantum that's going to be able to defeat uh, our current cryptography standards. And so what happens at that moment is A, everybody's already got to be using quantum resistant algorithms in production for all the mm -hmm. sensitive data. Otherwise, it's back to clear text effectively, right? There's mm -hmm. going to be all kinds of caveats on that. Anybody who knows what we mean knows what we mean yeah, and those yeah, who yeah. don't, you know, whatever. Uh, but what also happens at that very moment 
is that everything that the governments or private entities have hoovered up in data centers, traffic that is being captured now, files that are being captured now and being saved out in a Nevada desert somewhere will be opened at that point. Right. So there's going to be this period where retroactively everything since the dawn of computing is now unencrypted. Gets decrypted that's and your, now we look at it. Yeah. That's your TLS traffic, that's your PGP mail, that's your blockchains, that's all your all your things. Uh that's that's kind of a scary proposition yeah, a, when you think yeah, about that, it. Yeah, that 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 inflection point where all the old stuff becomes exposed and the fallout from that being exposed. That's what you're, you know, so you're- There was one comment I saw, which was like, oh, great. So now all of the governments are going to find out which other governments lied to them about what. <laughs> which that's we, like- And we all know they all lied to each other. Like, spoiler alert. <laughs> hey, come on. Huh, I wonder, this looks suspicious. Yeah, that's because it probably is. Where there's smoke, there's fire. That's, that's usually how this stuff goes. Um, that's- I didn't I never even thought about that. Just the just that just that inflection point of yeah. the shift into the quantum cryptography means that everything else yeah, it's becomes like great. open and it's now, like everything everything we can already have everything we're using from today forward be quantum resistant, but from yesterday backward, if it was stored, it's, it's open. You're done. You Which know. I mean, this is this is part of the reason why uh my my security friends with strange names are always like, if you don't want it seen, don't store it. <laughs> like that's don't, the yeah. thing. You just don't even put it on a computer. You don't write it keep down. It in the notebook. Just, <laughs> don't even keep it. I mean, if you really don't want it, you don't keep it in a notebook. But yeah, yeah. They're, they're almost, you know, they've gone so far down the rabbit hole, they have gone back to pen and paper because they know that mm-hmm. that's actually inversely the most the most I mean, this secure. is what like state of the art state of the art does include like brand new out of box air gapped machines. Like there's nope. stuff like it's yeah, it's tinfoil hat, but it's, it's not, but it's really. not tinfoil. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah, because there's, it, it all comes down security all comes down to your threat model, right? You got to have a threat model. Otherwise, what does secure really mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that'll be interesting for that's, sure. That's interesting. I did not know that they had. I mean, how how close are we to that? I mean, that stuff is not generally available yet. It's still, I mean, you're still in the so realm they of have, academics and and big organizations for for quantum. Yeah, computing. I don't like. I don't know in the moment. I don't. I, I'm not following the space closely, so I don't know like what the latest, like how many qubits the latest machine that you know Google or IBM or you know MIT or whoever it is runs them. Hey, phrasing. Um, what's a qubit? Like, for for folks, what's a qubit? Oh, uh, uh, qubits uh, the the quantum equivalent of a bit. Mm, so okay. we say, oh, it's like an eight bit word or a two hundred fifty six bit signature. Like a qubit is the analog mm-hmm. in the in the quantum realm. Um, so anyway, as they talk about the the strength of the machine in terms of the number of bits, and this like there's a lot of detail that goes into it, but it's kind of like. The way that a lot of these quantum algorithms work, at, because they're just so mind bendy, is like the number of bits, the number of qubits you need to solve a problem is defined by the number of qubits you need to describe the problem. Because once you describe the problem, you do these transformations on it and then get the answer. I, I don't know how I'm talking out of my rear. I don't know how it works. Um, but anyway, you need uh, like 100 or 150 qubits to break AES or something like that. You know, right. again, I, you know, I could be off by a little, but um, 
and the last I heard, somebody had like a five or eight qubit machine. Right. Um, and so, you know, it's it's, it's technological progress, which yeah. you could chart. Okay, like, let's take the history. Let's superimpose a curve on it. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see where that winds us up. But there's other things that change, too. There was a neat, uh, a neat podcast I listened to a couple of years ago where a guy made out like, oh, yeah, at, you know, at X qubits, the world ends. But way before that, we figure out how to uh, like how to produce ammonia, which is something currently like ammonia is only produced in the roots of bean plants because we it's like there's too many permutations in the chemical space. We actually don't know how to manufacture it, so we have to extract it from the roots of these. That's the way I understood it anyway. Hmm, um, interesting. But with, I never heard that. with like 50 quantum bits all of a sudden we'll figure out how to make ammonia. And so now we have infinite fertilizer. And so we can solve world hunger in this, you know, this big uh, idealistic kind of speech. Um, Anyway, all of that is to say uh, that, yeah, the the social stuff like uh, is not great. (laughs) (laughs) Like I have, I have a tweeters, I have a face bag, I have all these accounts. Um, I look at them like there's usually like once a quarter. I'll be sitting on the couch with a with a TV show. I'm like, oh, you know how how much of a cesspit are these platforms? And then I open them all up and I go, yep, still, <laughs> and I close them back. <laughs> oh, down. they're still a total. Yeah, they're they're an absolute cesspit. I um, but I, LinkedIn because of what it is, I'm I'm kind of there, you know, weekly. Yeah, yeah, well, sure, sure. I mean, you know, we. It's it's trying to focus in on the on the good bits and try and leaving all the bad bits behind, but it's it's really hard to do, uh, especially with something. It's it, sagging under the weight of humanity. Yeah, and and so you end up with just I mean just this cesspit of information that on the individual level it's easy to ignore, but the problem is you have people who utilize those extremities to you know forward their own case or to, you know, find a sensationalistic story so that they can actually, you know, draw yeah. more eyeballs. And, you know, so, you know, they, these people inversely have more pull than they used to before, not because they're doing anything different, but because other people are using them to get eyeballs on their own stuff and, yeah. you know, or to make <clears throat> their own case and self-promotion. It's yeah. just, it's just pulling everything to the extremities, even though there's more voices, you know, that they, they end up getting on the other hand. On the other hand, you get gems. I'll put this in the show notes. This is it's just a meme thing that I found. I can't not share it because it's like the funniest thing I've seen in a month. Uh it's a it's a picture of like a like a block of deli meat. And the it says uh it's 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 a conversation between two women. And uh is that ham processed? If it's processed, I don't want it. And the response is, ma'am, that is an eleven pound whole slab of deli ham. It has no bones, fat, or connective tissue. It is an amalgamation of the meat of several pigs, emulsified, liquefied. Oh, my monitor blanked out. Darn it. Emulsified, liquefied, strained, and ultimately inexorably joined into an unholy meat obelisk. <laughs> God had no hand in the creation of this abhorrence. The fact that this ham monolith exists proves that God is either impotent to alter his universe or ignorant <laughs> or ignorant to the horrors taking place in his kingdom. <laughs> this prism of pork is more than deli meat. It is a physical declaration of mankind's contempt for the natural order. It is hubris manifest. <laughs> 
We also have a lower sodium variety if you would prefer that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that. Exactly. <laughs> and you get stuff like that out of the internet and you're like, eh, it's not all garbage. It's not all garbage. <laughs> Separating wheat from chaff. I love that stuff. There's a lot of chaff. I love that. On the topic of writing, I love that style of writing. That's that's yeah. that's the pinnacle of comedy. Just this dry, like hyperbolic. You know, I love that yeah. style. Billy Madison, I award you no points, and may God have mercy exactly. on your soul. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I uh, I found this uh, I found this cool app that's uh, coming up, and it, it sort of ties into what we're talking about. I've had it on the list to, for talking points, and I, I I don't know how I'm going to insert this otherwise. So this is as good a segue as I'm ever. Yeah, what do you got? I'm ever going to get. What do you got? So we I go found, from the unholy meat obelisk to your thing. That's well, cool. you talked about quantum computing and hiding yourself and things like that. And mm-hmm. um, this is uh, this is pretty cool. So it's an app. Call, I haven't used it yet. It's early access. So this is kind of a wait and see, but it's neat stuff. It's called Cloaked. And if you go to, I'll send you the link, but if you go to cloaked.app and you check that out. So what they do is they act as a go-between between you and websites, service providers, anytime you need to share personal info, you use this app and it wraps the info in a working phone number, email address, password. And so you still get the information at your regular inbox, but the service doesn't have your actual information. They have a, uh, effectively bogus email address and password. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so yeah, the, the, the ephemeral email services on steroids. This is now it's they're also like ephemeral, phone and yeah. Right. And from what I, from what I understand it's, you know, that phone number, that email address is not assigned exclusively to you, but that phone number and or email with that service is exclusively to you. So they have this mm-hmm. pool. So to further scramble things, they have this gotcha. pool of phone numbers and emails and to reuse them. I mean, honestly, that's that's part of it too. So you get a different phone number. You you would assign a different phone number to you. You would get a completely different number every time you sign up for a new service. That would be a lot of phone numbers. That would be a, a huge cost. So what they're doing is they've got a pool of them. And then when you register for a thing, okay, so Chris so signed if up. Have, if they have three users using three websites each, there's only three phone numbers in, in their system, but it's paired Per they, site per user. If they That's have cool. if they have three users on three different websites, they would you they could in theory have one phone number being shared to all three of them because it's the combination of the user and right, three the total service. numbers. No, one yeah. number. One number. That's what I'm saying. So three users on three. Think about like a think about a, a huh? hold on, stick with me here. Think about like a a, a database distinct query here. Okay. So I have one phone number. I reuse it for unique combinations of user and service. So if you and I, if you sign up at Facebook and I sign up at Twitter and we use the cloaked service, they could assign us both the same phone number and it would know. Yeah, right, it's but only if you one have three users, it's only one if you have number. three users uh-huh. using each, uh, all of three different sites, mm-hmm. They would only need three phone numbers to service all nine accounts. 
Oh, I see what you did. Three users. Uh, you said three users using three different sites. I'm thinking three using distinct- each uh, using all of three, three, three each okay, using so all of three sites. All right. They would need three numbers they for that because numbers. each user site combo. That's really cool. Right. Yeah. Okay. So yes, you were saying the same thing as me. I misunderstood your definition of terms. I was thinking about. So should we start the countdown clock at? Uh, six months. It probably would take closer to 12 or 18 before the news story drops that their database got popped. <laughs> right. I mean, come on. Like I, if I'm paranoid, I'm not using this ish. I mean, no, no, I don't think you, I don't think you use this to be paranoid. I think you use this. Well, I mean, part of it's out of paranoia. Part of it's just so you don't get tracked and it keeps your information from ending up on and spammed. and spammed. Yeah. So this is kind of like you put this in the same boat as, um, uh, life lock. Like, you know, yeah, LifeLock could get popped and then LifeLock, are they still a thing? They are still a thing. They got bought. Wow. Now they're owned by Norton and they call it Norton LifeLock. Oh, goodness. Yeah, remember those guys? <laughs> the, the antivirus? Norton Antivirus? <laughs> the decelerator. <laughs> it wasn't always that bad. Oh, man, those are some heydays. It was um, usually that bad. The they're like, OG, oh, look, OG, I, can't, I can't navigate into a f- subfolder. Norton must be running. I, I, I mean, it's so true with so many things, but I mean, I grew up, you know, like I came up industry wise, you know, through that entire time period from when antivirus became a thing, the evolution of it, the, you know, the mergers, the mm-hmm. growth. Norton, the original Norton product was outstanding. The original one. Then it got bought and sold and third party, you know, third party builders. Well, yeah, there were also like six worms at the time. <laughs> It was good software. It was good software. That's all I'm saying. And yes, it, it got slower and slower and slower. And then yeah. you had you had McAfee in the mix. And well, look, those vast those ads aren't going to serve themselves. You know, that's the reality. <laughs> Somebody's got to do the hard work. Come on. Yeah. Now. So no, you wouldn't. No, this is cool though. You like this is a, this is not a tool. This won't prevent you from being massaged upon, but it but Correct. it will it will prevent most garden variety um, spam. If you are, if you're being massaged, I, I, I like that. Or CIA. I, I can't take credit for that. But now that I've disclaimed that it's it wasn't mine, from now on, I'm going to take credit for massaged. it. Yeah. All right. So massaged uh, upon. So I mean, in order for you would be giving, you would be giving the CIA another layer. They would have to break through in order. Okay, I found. You know, there's this this suspicious account of Facebook. It's connected to Cloak. We got to break into Cloak to get the information to find out the person. Break into Cloak. Yeah, you got decry- subpoena and gag order. They you don't gotta, have to do anything. No way, man. Just like on TV. I've seen it. They decrypt your firewall. I've seen it. The, they decrypt. They open a socket. They decrypt your firewall. Then they, they grab the surveillance footage from the deli across the street. And, <laughs> and then they zoom and enhance. <laughs> they zoom and enhance Heaven and the reflection stakes. in your eyeball. <laughs> and the reflection in your eyeball off the reflection of the surface of your coffee clearly shows the jetliner with the tail number. Somehow, uh, it's, somehow they enhance that picture to full 4K quality from, oh, yeah. you know, just like three pixels. It's it's well, it's impressive how they do that. My God, I can't. <laughs> it's so we're we're watching. We're going through the blacklist. Um, uh, we that's started. A good show. That's a fun. We show. started like last year. That's um, a good show. And we are. We're in the middle of season eight, so we're almost caught up. Actually, You're almost. Yeah. Um, is that show still going? Blacklist it still is. going? Oh, I okay. believe it is. Yeah, I should pick that back up. Actually, I don't know. Uh, well, I looked the other night, and I was like, "Oh, how God, how much of there of this is there?" I fell off um, the rail, and I saw 
I saw the rest of season eight and a full season nine waiting for us. I, I didn't actually look to see if there's a 10 coming in the fall. I don't know. Um, mm. They're usually like, they usually don't go. <sighs> there were a few episodes though, where I'm like, now my wife, she's medical, she's clinical. So like that show, it's all about hacking and mobile hospitals, right? So <laughs> like, there's always something to piss somebody off. It's a cornucopia of criticism from our couch. That at least. show is and about so- <laughs> hacking and mobile hospitals. <laughs> Clip of the day right there. That is going on the front. I like that. <laughs> So it's like, like it's, it's a cornucopia of criticism from our couch, right? Like that's all. And my wife, she can't resist whenever they do. They're like, you wouldn't use that drug in this circumstance because blah, blah, blah. Or he would have done that. You know, she can't help herself. I'm silent. Whenever they, whenever a computer comes into screen, I just, cause I know it's coming. There was one episode where I just, I let Luke, I couldn't even, it was so bad. It was so terrible. My God. What what was uh, it does. what was so terrible about it, Chris? <laughs> no, I actually I don't remember. This was a, this was like a couple of months ago. Um, I just I just remember being particularly cheesed off about it. <laughs> anyway, I was talking to somebody else about this this email uh, spam thing. Um, uh, Gmail allows you to add like a plus sign to your email address, so you can yeah you can add like, um, not all suffixes. sites accept it. Yeah, yeah, suffix. Not all sites accept it, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking like there really should be an RFC for that. There should be a mechanism. Mm-hmm. But if you like, if you own, because I was complaining, I still run my own email server, and I'm I'm about to give up because I'm just I'm it's just a lot sick of, of it. Work. It's hard. Yeah. Um, it's also like. You can, you can see. So I think for me, we talked about this a few weeks. This is going back kind of the security and privacy thing. Okay. Um, we talked, I don't know, maybe a month or two ago about like, oh, I run all my own stuff because nerd and because of tinfoil. We have, yes, we've done um, this conversation. Mm-hmm. And then in the inter- interleaving time, something had, now I'm now on a spam list somehow, oh, and that's geez. causing me issues. And I, you know, the thing, I, I think the realization I came to is that and I've been running my own infrastructure for like 15 years now, and I'm just kind of tired of it. And yeah, there's some security affordances for sure. There's some flexibility and freedom for sure. There's some nerd flexing for sure. But ultimately, I think for me, where I've started to settle down here after thinking about this for a while, the thing that matters when I'm consuming a service, what is the threat? What like what is the threat model from a security perspective? So that that still matters. That always matters. But from like a you know rock flag and eagle kind of freedom perspective. Could do I have optionality, right? Can I tomorrow, if GitLab shuts down, can I get everything that they were doing and do it myself if I have to? Can I take everything that an email provider is currently doing for me and do that myself if I had to? Mm-hmm. And I think for me, a lot of those, the answer is yes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, for sure. So, and so I think that's where because I I've I've been putting like. I don't know, it's just, I'm starting to get fatigued. I'm starting to get tired. And it's not because I have small kids and they don't let me sleep like my son that came in at three o'clock in the morning last night because he had a bad dream again. Mm. It's like, I'm tired of just dealing and just, it's, it's work. annoying. It's, it's work. It's a pain. Yeah. And I'm starting to get to the point where I just, even if it's only, you know, if it costs me an hour a year to maintain this stuff, I just don't want to anymore. But it's not an like, hour. I got better stuff to do. Yeah. Um, it's also, it's also not may, an hour. 
for, for this. <laughs> I mean, this stuff takes it takes time. That is. I mean, after the upfront, like you got to set it up. And then for me, an hour or two a year dealing with this stuff is probably really all. Because honestly, the most maintenance I do is one Saturday morning a month or whenever I feel like it, I'll hop into my network and I'll upgrade all the things, smoke test, and then pop back out. And I'm done in like three minutes. Um, unless something breaks, which it doesn't often because I don't touch the stuff because <laughs> I don't need to. Um, I don't know. Mm. Yeah. This email thing. Anyway, so we were, we were, we were talking, sorry to cut you off that we were talking about, Oh, well, if you ran the email service, you could define a character that you, that is a valid email, uh, a valid, valid username portion of of an RFC compliant email address that they could not reject that you don't use in your email address and then do that mapping yourself. So, Mm I could add an X. So Chris X Facebook at Tonkinson.com. Right. And then yeah. I know everything Chris X gets routed to my Chris inbox because I have a bunch of different inboxes. Um, and then I can see the tags. And so then you know who sold your information. You know where the spam is coming from but, and all that. kind. Of, you can block it and do stuff like that. But but let's be honest here. <laughs> if this became an RFC, that would def- – I mean it ultimately – you know, this is this is a thing that is doomed to failure from the start because let's take the Google the Google Plus uh, email with the plus thing. Okay, if they wanted to sell it, they just strip it off. They and just strip it exactly. Notice. Like they yeah, know, exactly. oh, this yeah. is a Gmail address. It's got the plus thing, so I know the the actual valid email address yeah. ends before the plus. Strip off the plus, <laughs> everything after it, uh, reappend the domain, and I have the yeah. regular email. For, so, and, and for that reason, there's a much easier solution, which is which is own your own email domain and be the only user of it, right? I say that's easy. Like, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. let's let's set that. <laughs> Not actually. For a while, there was a season where uh, I would just sign up to things, Facebook at Tonkinson.com, you know, uh, Apple at Tonkinson. I would just mm-hmm. sign up with the site name as the user and everything. It would wildcard all to me because- I get, I'm the only you email. The I'm the only user yeah. of the system, um, and even that though, there's it just it 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 it, it what is what does Thanos say? It it extracts a heavy a heavy toll, you know. <laughs> like it's just it's not it extracts a heavy price. I think is the quote. That's uh, <laughs> I don't know. So we talked about that. A few, now you're talking about security and cloaking and all this kind of stuff. And we I wanted to follow up on that prior conversation because I, I think I'm starting to now. One thing I will still do for myself is file storage. So mm-hmm. I got a lot of rust in the basement. It's, For sure. it's, it's sunk cost. Um, but also there is stuff in there. I don't want anybody's fingers to get on. Right. Like those are my files. I want them to remain private under my direct control. Um, and even if I was to go to a cloud provider, I have two options then. Either I have to pay twice to copy those to another cloud provider for redundancy, or I've still got to maintain my kit at home to serve as a backup in case the cloud provider goes offline. So, like, it's source data that I can't – like, it I, It doesn't make – to me, it doesn't make sense. It still makes sense to keep the rust in the basement. Um and then on top of that, the other thing is Plex. I don't know how to solve for my enormous audio, video, and music library uh, with cloud services in a in a truly convenient way at this point. Convenient um, and cost with my own files way. With, and cost effective, right? Because you're talking about like tens of terabytes of data, like uh, you know, 
Because no. I know I could run Plex in an, in an EC2 and keep all the files in yeah, S3. Yeah, but then you have and, all that resourcing that you have to pay for. And I'm still and I'm still managing the infrastructure, which is kind of what I don't want to do anymore. Right. So I think I think I think raw file storage and I think uh, media I will still run, but like email and source control, CI/CD, all that kind of stuff. I think I think I'm kind of done with it. <laughs> I don't blame you, man. Takes a lot of work. Yeah, you you really keep the things that you have to keep local, local. Um, yeah. Uh, data, uh, storage, file storage, I think is one of them. Uh, the other one for me is uh, security. I've looked at the um, closed circuit. There's a number of open source closed circuit <clears throat> TV programs that you can run. Uh, so oh, you, yep, can, you yep. can do your own CCTV network around your house, power over Ethernet. Um, there, there is yeah, no there's way... One- like the services, uh, Ring has one, and uh, they all have they they all yeah. have a camera. Well, those all connect to web services, and if you think you're the only one looking at that camera, like you got another no, thing the, coming. Uh, ours dropped an article earlier this week or last where uh, Google finally came out in court and admitted. I think it was at least eleven or twelve times this year they have given local PD access to stored mm-hmm. audio and video from consumers' devices upon request, which in the TOS, they say they can do. So it's not like right. anybody should be Shouldn't shocked. Be surprised. But yeah. like five years ago, we were all tinfoil hats saying, maybe you don't want to use Ring and Nest uh, uh-huh. because, oh no, that would never happen. That'll they never happen. Rah, 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 rah. Yeah, okay, you know, and, and here we are. And now the, now the goalposts shift, right? Now it's, well, I have nothing to hide. You know, oh, any anytime but, but, you start um, talking about, do you have anything to hide? As far, you missed the that, point. No, no, if that's your defense, you have lost. As far as I'm concerned, at that point, you have lost the argument. Oh well, you don't well, have anything to hide, do you? That's not the point. You you you've are lost now the point because you don't understand the argument. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you don't understand what's going. Uh, frigate frigate dot video. Um, I was pointed. Uh, uh, I was turned video. on to this because I would still. By the way, I run Home Assistant for like uh home automation and stuff. That would be a thing to keep local. And with that, this frigate um, is a – now, I haven't looked at it. They, they have a demo. I, I think there's some service you can pay for. Um, I, I guess it's like cloud integration if you pay for it. Um, but it's supposed to be an open source, run it, build it, store it, process the data yourself at home. Um uh, NVR, so it can do uh, image detection and and zones and all the kind of stuff that you would want a, a CCTV system to do. Now I would be I I haven't been wanting. I could have built CCTV and done all this stuff, but like I don't have six months to go and make it all myself. Um, this might be a solution for that. Finally, mm. so this would. What this does is- That's the reason I haven't put cameras up. There's no point, for me, there's no point in putting the cameras up unless I can access them and alert on on movement and stuff. I'm not doing that with a cloud service. <laughs> I'm not giving a cloud no. service access to a live video feed of my house. Like I'm not, well, the other I'm nice, not doing that. The other, the other nice problem that this solves is uh, normally for, you can do open source cameras and do all that kind of stuff. You can't do mm-hmm. the alerting off of them, just normal recording. Right. So there's that. But also the storage- you know, the cameras are capturing stuff constantly. If you don't have any kind of detection software attached to it, you're just recording all the time and you're just eating its tail yeah. in terms of the and storage. And it's been possible. It. It's there, possible there have been that. solutions to do this kind of stuff for years. This is not new. Um, I was just turned on to it because it adds, um, A, it looks like a nice UI, which is a, which is a feature. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but B, 
it can do specific detection object detection yeah, which is a which is that. a feature there was one there was one um CCTV I think it was built in PHP uh and I forgot what it was called um but it had all the bells and whistles you could define zones and schedules and all this kind of stuff and you could combine that with like uh AI libraries um but it wasn't easy to do or you needed the cloud or there were other you know Mm-hmm. This purports to be all local, so I'm going to be looking into this. If this if this pans out, then I I might be putting some cameras up after all. Finally. I am uh, I will look into this as well. I have looked at several open source uh, CCTV systems, but they have just been they have been just that CCTV systems. They yeah. hook up the cameras, they give you the control interface, they record the data. You can go back and you know you can look at your past history. It'll eat its tail, et cetera, et cetera. Um, this would be uh, a nice way to. Uh, to push over the edge. So, um, yeah, yeah it's cool. I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. I, w- I was not aware of this. So, Hey, how about I that? I didn't expect this to be like a privacy and security episode. No, but, uh, Hey, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy with it. So, yeah. Huh. Uh, well, a little bit of an early, a uh, little bit of a late start. So a little bit of an early finish. It's, a, it's about an hour. I think that that's, uh, that's sufficient. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, the, the important thing is I'm just sick of talking to you. Well, there's, I mean, there's that too. I'm also, <laughs> I'm also hungry, and that trumps you as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, if you want to see more about, uh, you know, the things that we have randomly stumbled, randomly stumbled across in our conversations, you can check out all the past show notes. You can go to refactor.work. That's the website. You can find the notes, the links. Uh, you can listen to the episodes. All that good stuff is there. If you want to read more from me, you can check me out at hotcoles, K-O-E-H-L-S dot com. If you want to check out Chris's writing, he is at tonkinson.com. We have also been doing uh, recently more pushing into uh, LinkedIn, too. Uh, So you can find us uh, if you search Refactored Podcast on LinkedIn. um, And there's links to that as well on the the website. You can find us over there if that's one of your regular haunts. Feel free to shoot us a note. We'd love to hear from you. Feedback at refactor.work. This has been episode 75. Only 25 left for triple digits. 75 of the Refactor podcast on July. I almost said June. July 19th, 2022. You got there. I got there. You got there. Thanks, buddy. See ya. Thanks, Frank.